Two hours. Why don't you wait and I'll show you a good place to party? He 
clerk was smiling broadly now. I can help you with the graph, but anything more than that is beyond me. What is it you're looking for? Text or something? Terrible. She shot back, probably. Hey, hang on a second. Let me make a call. He reached out to squeeze Debbie's hand. It repulsed her, but she pretended to enjoy it with a warm smile and reaction. He was only gone in the back for a few minutes before he reemerged with a yellow post-it that had a name written across it along with an address. Go to this address. It's a bar. Ask for Tootie. She's a waitress there and tell her that you want to speak to Andre and that I sent you. My name is Mike. She's expecting you. You do have money, right? Of course. Is there anything else I can do for you? He squeezed Debbie's hand in his and leaned forward, his face only inches from hers. We'll see, Mike. Let me go do this. I'll see you around. Debbie kept playing his little game and winked at him as she slyly pulled her hand out from under his. She opted not to tell Nathan. The quicker she could get this over with, the better. She quickly went outside and hailed a cab. She handed the driver the post-it note. Thirty minutes and thirty-five dollars later, she made it to the busted mama's cafe in Saloon. What a strange name. The inside of the establishment was Diane John Western. Wooden floors and covered her cross were complemented by a frilly white shirt and a black bow tie. Her dyed red hair was tied into a juicy ponytail from the top of her head and bounced and swayed back and forth every time she moved. No, Mike sent me. You from the hotel, Trudy asked. She motioned for Debbie to follow her as she set the tray down and began to refill the glasses with iced tea and soft drinks from a soda fountain. That's me, answered Debbie. You want some grass, right? She said, yeah, and yeah, he told me she responded. But you got money? 
was increasingly creepy and uncomfortable. Okay, Debbie, wait here. Andre went off on him there and simply required that he return to where he had been. He wasn't gone but for a few moments and returned with a paper bag. He handed it to Debbie. One ounce of weed and enough math to keep you high for a while. How much? asked Debbie. Five hundred, he said. Debbie knew the amount was ridiculously high, but didn't flinch. She had the money, and there was no way that came from. She counted out five one hundred dollar bills and laid them on the table in front of him. Andre quickly snatched them up and stuffed them in his shirt pocket. Thinking she said, and started to get out of there as quickly as she could. The brown paper bag, like she had been to the stop and go, was in one hand, her purse was in the other. Andre didn't say anything, and she didn't even try to give him a fake smile as she left the bar. All she could do was think about getting out of there as quickly as possible. Once outside, she began to look for a cab. Don't worry, you need a round number. She couldn't really start walking because she didn't have any idea where she was or which way to go. Why didn't she ask the cab to wait? back into the bar and call a cab, but the thought of possibly having to talk to that Andre character again quickly turned that idea into mush. She decided to wait. This was Chicago. 
People traveled around in cabs all the time. One would be around eventually. She found a spot along the sidewalk that kept her out of the sight from the front of the bar from where she could see the street. She kept her gaze directed towards the intersection that was just a few yards away. And she'd been standing in that spot about 15 minutes when a familiar smell caught her attention. Cheap cologne and cigarette smoke. Andre. It had to be. She ignored it at first and refused to turn around. The smell got stronger. She continued to ignore it until there was a tap on her shoulder. The thought of that creep touching her gave her the chill. You still here? He asked. She turned and looked at him but didn't smile. Mm-hmm. She answered and turned back around. Pretty girl like you shouldn't be hanging around a neighborhood like this all alone. I can take care of myself, she shot back. She kept her face turned away from Andre. Oh, I doubt that. Not here. Think you made a big mistake.
kept a stranglehold on Andre, who now was gasping for air and bleeding from the indentations of the fake nails digging into his neck. Hurry, said Trudy. Debbie finished putting everything back in her purse and grabbed the paper sack that held what she had come there for in the first place. She grabbed that into her purse, too. I can't just leave you here, said Debbie. I can take care of this creep. Don't worry. Just go. Trudy let go of Andre's neck to show that she had the situation under control. Andre stopped all of his aggression. He had his hands around his throat and was bent over slightly, obviously in pain. He had elected to let the matter go. Whatever it was that Trudy had on Andre was deep. Deep enough for her to take control of the situation and him too. Trudy, Debbie knew it was time to go, but she started to talk to her anyway. She wanted to make sure just once more. Go, go that way. Trudy pointed towards the intersection. They exchanged smiles. Even having only known each other a matter of minutes, something had happened between them. A compassionate act that just as easily could have not have happened. Strange. Debbie took off toward the intersection at a trot. She didn't look back. Somehow there was no need to. When she got to the intersection, she turned right on a guess. They kept walking at a quick pace. She'd only been walking for about five minutes or so when she saw a taxi. She waved it down and directed the driver back to the hotel. There, Mike was looking at her from his position behind the counter. She didn't like his expression. The thought struck her that Andre could have called him. Not good. He could turn on her real fast. She walked quickly past the desk and didn't acknowledge the glare he was giving her. She could feel it, though. She also knew he was about to get off work. Ignoring him, she clutched her purse tightly and pushed the button for the elevator. Her mind was already made up on what she and Nathan were going to do. Find another hotel. She found Nathan sleeping soundly. He looked horrible, pale and sweating. The dark circles under his eyes almost made him look unreal. She gently woke him up. There was a coffee pot in the room, and she made a pot while Nathan showered. Once he had cleaned himself up and got a cup of coffee in him, she surprised him with a snack. There was no way to shoot up, so he snorted in small pinches until he began to feel the flood. Why 
why did you risk going to do something like that? Because I love you, she responded. I'm not thinking of me, said Nathan. Debbie realized immediately what he meant. He was talking about the baby. Not now, Nathan, she said. When? I don't know, Nathan. Not now. We need to get out of here, okay? Yeah. Are you feeling better, Nathan asked? She knew what he meant by the scowl on his face. She shouldn't be smoking while she was pregnant, especially pot. I said not now, Nathan, she responded. You didn't get high at Susan's party that night. What's changed? Have you decided what you're going to do? She didn't answer. He left it there. They both knew the time was approaching for a decision, though. He sensed what she was wanting. She sensed what he was wanting. A storm with deep, dark clouds was in the horizon. Darker, darker, dark. I'm Rodney Mathers. Goodbye for now.